everyone and welcome to another episode of the Hand Me Up Club. My name is Lindsay Ruter and I am very excited today. I have a special guest. Her name is Rebecca Duckert and she is a New Orleans lady living in New York because that is where we are recording today. She is an entrepreneur, a crafter, a dancer, storyteller, self-proclaimed interior decorator, which that's reminding me, I saw a picture of her apartment <laughs> apartment therapy. So truly self-proclaimed interior decorator, but also third-party verified interior decorator, uh, ardent supporter of the Oxford Comma. She is a co-founder and choreographer of the Big Apple Babes, which is an all-women's dance crew in New York City that performs at various parades and community events and brings women of different backgrounds together to dance and socialize and celebrate in fun, body-positive environments like us. That's how we know each other. Um, she is also the founder slash owner of Sweet Face Snowballs, which serves up authentic New Orleans-style shaved ice at festivals, markets, and private events all around town. And of course, because she is here, she loves vintage fashion and home decor and lives for finding a good deal on old treasures. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, Lindsay. <laughs> thank you for coming to Queens to record with me today. Yes, thank you for having me. So, as I briefly touched on, we know each other through the Big Apple Babes. This is true. This is true. You're a wonderful dancer, and uh, addition to our team this year was your first year, and it's been so fun having you. Thank you. Yes. It, it has been so fun. <laughs> I'm excited. I've been looking forward to the auditions coming up in I know. the winter, just because I have so many people I want to tell to come. Please do. But I also, you know, you get a little nervous when you find something. I'm sure you know this with, like, mm. cool vintage shops. It's kind of the same thing when you find a really cool thing that feels secretive and you mm -hmm. have to protect it and yes. so you don't want to tell everyone because exactly. you don't want the spirit to change but at the same time you want everyone there yes i fully agree i was like i want the team to be like 50 plus people then i was like but do i is that too many people is that are they gonna get what we're all about but i think you know um i'm very excited to have the auditions we will figure out that date <laughs> at some point soon liz and i have to meet about that but yeah, it's been it's been awesome having, you know, so many new women on the team this year and just expanding just the diversity and yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah. Feels, I love it. And yeah. so I feel I had never really heard of this dance parade culture at all. Uh, I'm from Detroit, so that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess it's a big thing in New Orleans. It's a huge thing. I mean, everybody knows or most everybody knows that New Orleans, um, our big festival of the year, our big celebration is Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of different parades that happen in the weeks leading up to Big Fat Tuesday. And so within each of those parades, there's all kinds of different dance groups. And probably in the past 10 or 15 years, a lot of adults um, started forming their own crews, like dance groups, because um, they were inspired by seeing like the high school marching bands and the dance teams for those and just kind of wanted to do it themselves. And so I did all of the above. I, in high school, I was on the dance team. I marched with our marching band. Then as an adult, I was on various da women's dance groups. And so when I moved here to New York, I was like, you know, there's really nothing like that out here. Like there's maybe a couple, but I really felt like that could be something really fun to bring to New York um, because it is just so fun and festive. And I think a lot of people don't maybe know like a lot of people are like is it like the second line like in that show Treme like everybody's dancing with brass bands I'm like it it is but it isn't I don't so it's like it's it's a fun you know very specific type of dance it's specific to like being in in a parade in a march like marching forward dancing forward kind of thing I don't know but I also <laughs> feel like big apple babes it's specific in that you're moving forward yeah. but I think the reason there's nothing like what 
that is or what there was anything like that before is because most of the dance groups in New York are very much like we are all doing like Bollywood style dancing yes. or we're all doing Irish clog stepping. Exactly. It's even more specific, whereas I feel like the dance that we do in Big Apple Babes mm-hmm. is more I don't want to be like generic, but it's less specific to a specific culture. Culture. That is true. That is very true. Like we're dancing to Tiffany exactly. and Carly Rae like Jepsen. Throwback, lots of throwbacks. All I ever want to do is just like 80s, 90s music. I have to like learn about the music of today from various <laughs> members of the team because I'm like, I don't know who anybody is. Uh, I just want to do Madonna all the time. But yeah, so yeah. So it's like a it's a big mix of like hip hop and 80s dance. I don't know. It's it's a fun mix. Um, but yes, you're right. It's not specific. There's no specific type of like New Orleans quote unquote dance, but but it is specific to parades, I guess. I don't know. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah. <laughs> so New Orleans dance, we're bringing it here. <laughs> what you kind of touched on Mardi Gras being the big thing. And I was looking at all these pictures from past Mardi mm-hmm. Gras online and I feel have you been to the camp exhibit at the Met? I feel like Mardi Gras is the feel... is the original <laughs> camp. It really is. It is. It is. I mean, it's New Orleans just all year round, but especially around Mardi Gras is just a celebration of like color, vibrancy, music, costuming. I mean, I think that was why when I moved here four and a half years ago, everyone was like, oh my God, it's going to be such a culture shock for you. I was like, it's really not because all day long in New Orleans, people are just like dressed up for no reason. There's festivals every weekend. There's music everywhere. So I think, you know, yeah, Mardi Gras especially is just like the big culmination of all of that, of just, you know, being creative, putting your stamp on whatever costume you create or buy or I don't know. It's just, it's really, really festive, really fun. And I love costuming. (laughs) Do you think that, Mardi Gras is kind of the reason there's this culture of DIY in New Orleans and or like you have that as a big part of your personality not only in your fashion but just like I'm gonna make my own dance yeah well I definitely think that's true um I come from a household where my mom was big on making our costumes for Halloween for Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. um, whereas like a lot of my friends got the store-bought costumes and as a kid I was like why can't I just have you know, Why the rainbow have, bright like, thing from Kmart or whatever. The genie yeah. from the spirit of Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I want the store-bought thing that smells like really toxic plastic. And then like in hindsight, and as I got older and started to craft things myself, I was like, oh, I'm so lucky that like my mom knows how to sew and she can put together these really awesome creative costumes for me. And yeah, and, and most of that was centering around uh, Halloween, Mardi Gras, dance recitals, things like that. And yeah, and I feel like New Orleans is the perfect place to just – Throw together whatever you like. As long as you own it and you feel, you know, good in it, you're going to be accepted. People are going to love it. And I, that still holds true today. I mean, I feel like New York doesn't offer me quite as many opportunities to costume. So I do get like a lot of FOMO when I see all my friends back in New Orleans, like dressing up for whatever festival is happening. But yeah, it's it's a it's it's like nowhere else. I mean, really, truly. <laughs> Have you been to Mardi Gras? No, I oh, haven't. Okay. I'm going back in 2020 for the first time in four years, so I'm just, like, ready. I can't wait to put together my costume, whatever that may be. I don't know. I get a lot of things from, like, the Dollar Tree and just put together something fabulous mm-hmm. and cool and cheap. Yeah. So Mardi Gras is, like, very camp, very wild, mm-hmm. whatever you want. Would you say there's any sort of general aesthetic for fashion, particularly vintage fashion in New Orleans? You know, New Orleans, it's an old city. Right. Um, it's got, I mean, the roots of jazz mm-hmm. are in are embedded in New Orleans. Um, and so I think 
I don't think there's one specific uh, style of New Orleans, but I definitely know like swing music, jazz, all of that. That that culture is very much alive in New Orleans. So you'll get a lot of like vintage pinup-y kind mm-hmm. of people just walking the streets, just, you know, their everyday um, – everyday outfits a lot of red lipsticks very a lot of dapper. You know, yeah very dapper a lot of a lot of really dapper guys wearing suits i mean a lot of the jazz musicians who play like traditional jazz on frenchman street will be like dressed to the nines just for like a regular tuesday night gig you know so it's it's a Love city that. that yeah and it's a city that celebrates dressing up i mean i went back home for thanksgiving and the opening day of our racetrack the fairgrounds is on thanksgiving day and everybody comes out everybody's got beautiful hats and beautiful outfits and it's just like a a day to just show up it's like the kentucky derby but in new orleans you know so people love any excuse to dress up in new orleans truly just any day of the week yeah i love that i am curious because you google new orleans fashion as i did Mm -hmm. and you get a bunch of marie antoinette things is the french quarter a thing at all as far i mean in regards to fashion or you know, New Orleans is not like a fashion hub the way New York or London. But or it's Paris a historical is, hub, it's historical, and fashion yeah. is in history. It's true, but I don't know if if anyone would <laughs> look to New Orleans and be like, "That's where I need to have my fashion empire." I think because there's so much else going on that you don't necessarily need one specific type of fashion. I don't know, but I mean, I think, yeah, I think the costuming itself is its own delineation of, of fashion. I don't know if that's the right word, but yes, <laughs> of fashion. I'm curious. Have you had any? iconic Mardi Gras looks that you love where you're like oh I found this crazy thing and then I turned it into this and yeah I've made some good whether it was Mardi Gras or Halloween I've made some good costumes I like to now I I really do embrace the whole like DIY costuming um I'm a big fan of foam core I like incorporating it into costumes of any sort so there was one year that I was um a paper doll so I cut out – well, maybe I'll send you a photo or something. Uh, I cut out yeah, a whole thing. Yeah, a big episode, guys. So I was like – yeah, I was like a walking paper doll. Like I had to like walk into doorways sideways because it was just such a wide costume. I couldn't sit down, but it was worth it. I was Rosie the Riveter one year, but instead of just being like in a blue jumpsuit and the red scarf, I actually made a poster behind me that said, we can do it. So I was mm-hmm. just walking around like a walking poster. Um, I love doing stuff like that. I was Betty Boop. Um, and then a lot of times I would say for Mardi Gras, the costumes are more uh, free form and less like specific to a character the way Halloween can be. So for various Mardi Gras, I've been like, I was springtime one year and I just spray painted like a prom dress blue and put flowers that I bought or my mom had from old craft projects all over me. I had a blue wig. Like it's fun to just be whatever, just be decorative and, and as over the top as you can be and it will never, ever be too much truly yeah, yeah. truly you oh, you have to go to that camp exhibit i know it, i think it exactly did it close like, i think it closed I'm gonna go and back. i was very upset because i missed it all my friends went and i feel like if it's not closed that's great but um, i don't know why i thought maybe it was looking it up right now oh it did Ugh. well I missed out saw lots of photos bummer <laughs> i know i know it was great. Yeah. Hopefully it'll travel and other people will be yeah. able to see it. I saw it. lots of good pictures from the Met the Met Gala where everybody was uh, celebrating the opening of the exhibit. So lots of good inspirational The outfits. problem with what I feel like for this year's Met Gala, the theme mm. was camp, which was super... So many people missed it. Be, yeah. People <laughs> so want, many people did not People get, wanted to look good yeah, they more than they wanted good. to look right. campy. Right. You get the Kardashians showing up. Still trying to look hot, and I'm like, you don't understand. Like, majority <laughs> yeah, of people were going trying to, look, trying to look good instead right. of trying to look campy. Yeah. 
There were some really good ones, though, who did nail it. That guy who had the multiple eyeballs. I don't know who that... We'll have to pull it up. But <laughs> Sorry. Gotta Google it. Some actor who had, like, many eyeballs on his face, and it was just, like... It was, like, a Salvador Dali-looking... Multiple... I just Googled multiple, multiple eyeball eyes. outfit. <laughs> Ezra that was great. Yes. That That's was very that was. cool. Billy... Porter was fantastic. Oh, I'll yeah. I'll put this picture yeah. in the episode guide because it is <laughs> truly wild looking. Yeah. Whoever did his makeup with all these eyeballs. It's crazy. It looks like I'm looking at a photoshopped yeah. photo of, and it's someone just truly, copied and pasted it. his eyeball all over his face. That one for whatever reason is the only one haunting. I like really yeah, it's like haunting and I remember it so much. I mean, I know there were like so many other good looks, but that one was great. But yes, so many people missed the mark. And that was like a bum. A bummer. Who's this person? Someone dressed. Oh, <laughs> Katy Perry. She was like a chandelier. Yeah. That that actually. I'll put this in the guide, people, <laughs> so you know what we're talking about. But that's pretty campy. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But it's like very obvious. I don't know. It's it's very obvious, but it, at least it wasn't so much trying to look like True. a showgirl and True. look good. It's yeah. got some camp to it. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate yeah. it. I love a theme. I love dressing to a theme. I love dressing to themes because it almost, it's like, it challenges you to come up with something creative within the confines of, of, a, of a thing. I always like that. I, I remember like, this is like sort of related but not, but when I worked at, back in college, I worked as like a hostess at a restaurant and we could only wear black and white, but we could wear whatever we wanted in black and white. And I was like, oh man. So I just like would come up with like such cool outfits as long as I was wearing black and white and I really do love to just like embrace a theme or just a, a restriction of some sort because then mm-hmm. it it you know makes you push your boundaries did you have yeah. spirit weeks when you were in school I did yeah I, did. I loved I loved yeah. the spirit week I yeah. love a theme yeah well I went to an all-girls catholic high school so we could only do so much <laughs> with that but the themes were fun yeah. yeah I'm trying to remember when I was in sixth grade I decided I was going to make a theme for every day. Mm. And I have a little calendar in my locker where it'd be like, today's tie-dye day. That's Tomorrow's awesome. 90s day or whatever. There would be a theme. People would come up to me and ask, what's today? <laughs> That's so cool. And so I was like, you can't tell by looking at my <laughs> Look outfit. Look at me, okay? Like, you know. clearly the theme is puppies <laughs> or whatever. But okay. I always had a That's theme. That's so cool. And some of them were really bad, but I was like, I have to find a way to interpret this theme. And then at the same time, I was like, you made the theme. Yeah. If you don't have it's anything you for it. Be. Yeah, that's so funny. But that's really, really committed to that's really cool. themes. I love themes. Yeah. Um, while we're still talking about New Orleans before yeah. we move on, where are places that if people are traveling to New Orleans, oh, they man. need to go? Specific, oh, yeah, yeah. So. We could talk forever about everywhere. <laughs> yes, so let's yes. keep it in the vein of vintage, whether that's okay. fashion or... Okay. I mean, yeah, there's so many. So I, I started shopping vintage or like thrift stores when I was in high school, like the tail end of my high school life. And a lot of the really, really good stores that I loved back then have, you know, closed, but I still have, have lots of clothing still from that time. But, um, there, I always was a big fan of Red, White, and Blue is like a local, I guess it's like a local thrift store. There's only two of them in New Orleans and they have the best purses and coats. I find that's where I would always get like great clutch purses and and coats and skirts. Um, a good friend of mine actually just started her own little um, like Etsy store, online store, um, selling vintage clothing called a uh, Hot Trash Thrift. So shout out hey. to Natalie Boyd, Hot Trash Thrift. 
Um, I love this place called Thrift City. It's a gigantic like warehouse of thrifting gold um, on the West Bank side of New Orleans, the other side of the river across from the French Quarter. Um, they have great home home stuff and, um, and lots of good clothes. I was never a big fan of buying shoes, like vintage shoes. They'd have to be like super really special and like in great condition because I didn't – some of the idea of, of wearing other people's shoes was like not my favorite, but they always had like cool shoes that I would look at like, oh, man. Like I don't know how. After all these years, they still always get like really good stuff. And then there's a local – a local store that started in New Orleans that now I think has another store in Atlanta called Trashy Diva um, that they create all of their own patterns for their dresses. It's strictly for women. They have amazing like vintage and new um, jewelry, but their clothing, like the styles of their dresses and skirts and things are all vintage, like 30s, 40s, 50s kind of aesthetic and silhouettes, but it's all kind of like new patterns prints and things it's really really cool very special they have amazing shoes too I like that place a lot so even though it's not officially vintage it's it's got that whole like vintage kind of pin vibe and it's really special really nice and they have like a lingerie store too like it's you got a lot going Expansive. on but yeah yes okay. they've got like several locations um a couple in the French Quarter one uptown and they their stuff's really great um yeah I mean I know New Orleans and there's just like there's like the flea market. You can find stuff every once in a while there. Um, I was just lucky that I had uh, a very stylish grandmother and mom, so I got a lot of like the shirt I'm wearing right now is my mom's from the '80s. That you know was like my favorite, one of her favorite shirts that she would wear. I'd pick it out whenever she was. She was like, "Okay, do you want to pick out my outfit for work today?" And I would always pick out this one or like these two other shirts. All of since she has given to me in the past like couple years, and I'm like, "Oh, I love having them." But so I was lucky that I had like cool style icons to look up to in my own family because then I could get their hand-me-downs and, and they weren't or their like hand-me-ups. hand-me-ups. <laughs> That's right. Bringing it back. So, <laughs> yes. Yes, it's true. And um, I got a lot of my grandmother's jewelry. I had like cool, you know, older cousins. I really looked to like older people for uh, style inspiration. And so I was lucky to have a lot of that. So yeah, my wardrobe is, is a big chunk from family members and then vintage stores <laughs> great well stores, yeah next time i'm in new yeah. orleans i know yes. where i'm going yes yes lots of options Ugh, so many so many places so little time i know don't even get me started on like food and drink and music it's a lot it's so a lot. much all right so i want to before we start talking about new york mm-hmm. now i want to read just this little excerpt from an article it's in racked and it's referencing an article in the smithsonian but we're going to read the racked version because this is an audio medium and so it'll be a little little easier to get into. So it was really interesting. This is about the birth of vintage fashion, which it's kind of interesting to think like, what's the history of vintage? Because yeah. vintage is, is history. history. So like, what's the history of history? So the birth of vintage was at a Greenwich Village dinner party in December 1956 there was this couple, the Salzmans, and Sue Salzman, she was talking about how she was so upset that she had missed the chance to buy this 1920s raccoon coat. And one of the other guests at the dinner party was saying, oh, my dad has like a ton of leftover fur and fur coats from when he used to make these Davy Crockett caps at the beginning wow. of the 50s. 
we can get you on no problem they're just sitting around and so they organized a trip to go to this warehouse she got the fur she got the fur coat gave everyone at the party one because they had so many and that's really what started started a whole phenomenon for people wanting these vintage yeah raccoon fur coats <laughs> and they got super popular and they ended up the Salzans going around the city and just buying up all this old fur and all the old wow. fur coats they could find and reselling them i think the smithsonian says they found like 400 of them wow to sort of flip and buy and resell and they ended up having a partnership with lord and taylor because <laughs> but this was like really what started yeah. the idea of vintage yeah. as a luxury item and uh and yeah, as something back. probably that you wanted because sometimes people look to the past and they're like oh why would we want yeah it was things? like a but very like, nice i think what desired. also worked was this woman sue salzman she had a very specific look like this was the 50s but she mm-hmm. had a very 1920s look, look with like the big floppy hats mm-hmm. and the black lipstick wow. and everything so people saw her and were like oh my gosh this yeah. is this is a look yeah and i want it um, in the Racked article, they say, like, the way that secondhand clothing moved from suspicious to significant is the basis um, for Jennifer Lazat's book, Goodwill to Change. And she argues that used clothing was first sanitized by outfits like the Salvation Army, and then it became something more romantic, like flea markets and fundraisers for post-war France. And then only once there were bohemians and people really getting into it that it became fashionable. And then it was a look of like counterculture types trying to look like elected poverty, (laughs) literally says that in the article. And it kind of would take them away from the typical 1950s, typical bourgeois homogenous fashion. And that was really led by the raccoon coat, the vintage raccoon coat. Who knew? Which is wild to think that like that was the original vintage item. Yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> very not PC in 2019 <laughs> to just be wearing a raccoon but coat. But at the same time, it but, does make sense because if you're going to find a raccoon coat yeah. in 2019, it's going to be vintage. That's true. Too. That is true. Yeah. You're not finding a new raccoon that coat. That is true. Yeah, I don't know who would want a raccoon at this point. Yeah, I mean, that is – yeah, I, I, I think um, – I mean, I've always looked to, like, the past for – as like a beautiful thing like some people look to the past like oh how do we deal without this technology or with things looking like it, whatever but I always think I think I like live in the past not my own past but just the music of the past clothing of the past I just feel like it's so inspirational and so you know I don't know I, I think it's it only makes sense that vintage is such a big deal now because the past I mean I don't know people knew what they were doing made things well so yeah, so yeah. You, you're a big vintage shopper. How do yeah. you know when something is made well? Um, like when you're thing. going and you're at a vintage store and you're looking at, you're just going through racks of things, like how do you know something's actually made well and worth it and not just old? I mean, right. Uh, I mean, just, you know, again, I when I vintage shop, I'm not like, I don't I have like a million dollars all the time to just spend on clothing. So I'm looking for like, interesting pieces that aren't crazy that aren't going to break the bank but that still will be very special and timely timeless for me um and I look at material I look at you know um I don't really know like brands I mean I'm not shopping you know looking for Mm -hmm. Chanel suits or whatever like that would be exciting to find something like that but I'm not I'm not doing like the top-notch vintage shopping I'm I'm just looking more for like unique pieces um so I think uh you know material is definitely 
a way to tell what's quality what's or what's going to be like terrible to wear or, or give me a rash like in the in the sun or something and should i be um, looking because i know for instance on the show we did an episode where we just went to the mall and yeah. tried to find sustainable things and i think nowadays if you were looking for fabrics it'd be very different than if you're examining materials of the past yes. for quality like are we looking for cotton are we looking for rayons like what are what i are mean better fabrics for vintage um i know silks are pretty good um but honestly i i don't discriminate if i just likes the way if i like the way something looks i'm just gonna get it as long as it's not like some crazy thick 70s like polyester that's gonna be really bad i'm kind of open to a lot of different things i, I stay away from like velvet because that's just not like i'm not a fan of that but that i feel like that's a, a fabric I think that's that the holds new up orleans yeah like no velvet yeah no velvet <laughs> Um, but I love like a, a fake fur. I will I, even back in New Orleans where it was too hot to wear furs. I was buying fake furs all the time. And so now I can finally wear them here in New York. Um, yeah, just something that I look more for like the aesthetics, honestly. I, I have a very good friend who's a costume designer who also is a lover of fashion. We're like soulmate friends in that way. Um, but she's always paying attention to like, what's the fabric? What's the like thread count of it? I'm like, I don't know. I just want something that looks cool. <laughs> that That is interesting to me. Um, so I know I wish I could speak more to, to what to look for for quality. I mean, and also just like make sure there's no like holes in anything <laughs> or like the, you know, if it's something that's like a, you know, like a sweater or something, you want to make sure there's no like moth holes and things like that. But mm -hmm. that's a given. Um, hopefully, you know, yeah. everyone knows not to just like buy something that has big gaping holes in it. Um, so where have you yeah. had the most success shopping in New York? For in New York. Um, so I have a, uh, I've become friends with the, owner of East Village Vintage Collective on East 12th um, in the East Village, obviously, um, Megan Hayward. She has just this awesome little shop that has really affordable, really good vintage stuff. Like most of her stuff's probably from like the 70s, 80s, some 90s things. And I, uh, she just has really good pricing. She goes and sources stuff. She also has... Um, a satellite store down in Jackson, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Oh. Um, so she's constantly going on trips like throughout, you know, the road trips that she makes from New York to Jacksonville. There, She's always finding stuff like along the way. So she's really getting like a lot of really cool, very different things um, in her shop. She's got cool jewelry, lots of, um, I've gotten a ton of like houseware stuff like glasses and, um, you know, ashtrays to use to put keys in and stuff. She's got Good sunglasses. Her her sunglasses. Her sunglasses are not vintage, but they have like a vintage feel. But everything else is just really great. Um, it's really kitschy, but I love yeah, kitsch. I love, yeah, I love a kitsch. I love kitsch for my home. Um, so her stuff is awesome. So I re recommend that place number one. And then I love L Train Vintage. <laughs> like I don't Do know you have why. A specific place that you this, love. I, I I'm just a lover of the East Village. Um, but the L Train Vintage on uh First Avenue no near. No relation. Yeah, no relation. Um, I almost never leave that place without getting like one thing at least. Um, they just have really good prices and I don't know where they're sourcing their stuff, but they always have new stuff. It's crazy. Every like, cause there was a, a period where I was going down the East village a lot for like some work stuff. So I was down there like probably every two weeks and every time I would go, I'm like, I'm going to make a stop at, e at L train and they'd have like a whole new crop of clothes. I'm like, where are you getting this? How is it in such good condition? And how are you selling it for like $6 a skirt? I don't know. I love that place. I get all my like summertime skirts. Um, a lot, most of them have come from there. I just, I think they have great, great stuff. Have you been to Urban Jungle? 
Is that... It's in Bushwick. It's another I, L-Train vintage It's the location. really big place, right? It's like a really big... It's, it's pretty big, yeah. Yes. I've only it's been on there Flushing once. Ave. Yeah. I've only been there once, though. I need to go back because I loved it. It's I, so I got great. like a bunch of stuff the day that I went and then I just never went back. I sometimes am too confined to just being in the city. <laughs> but I love going, you know, finding these treasures. So yes, I should definitely go back there because um, I found a handful of really good things there. But that was like a long time ago. Um, is that also L Train? Yeah. Yeah. They like have the so L-train, many locations. It's, it's a it's whole so weird. collective yeah. of vintage places yeah. off of the L Train. Yeah. Um, but Urban Jungle was my favorite before L Train was even a thing. And it, these were all just independent stores. Yeah. And then I think they realized, like, oh, we can make it a thing oh, if we yeah. all band together. together. That makes sense. And we make little maps and we use yes. consistent branding. Yes. Um, because I remember when I first moved to the city almost 10 years ago and I was reading Time Out New York back when it was a printed magazine yes. you had to pay for. Oh, whoa. Yeah. I've never seen it that way. I've only been here four and a half yeah. years. Yeah. So. You had to buy it. Whoa. Um, but there was there was a like Ask a New Yorker section and uh-huh. they were like, favorite vintage. I remember this one girl saying, you can get dresses for ten dollars. It's yeah. great. And it's so crazy. being a broke college kid, yes. like that's where I'm yeah. going. Yeah. And it was amazing. And yeah. so I've been going there ever since. And it's incredible how cheap it is. I got, it's crazy cheap. And they really do have good stuff. Like it's not just like I got cheap a and like whatever. Coat, winter coat oh, wow. for forty dollars. Yeah. There. I've gotten so many great coats from there. Just it's it's unbelievable how, what they have. I don't know how they do it. I don't know where. And my friend Megan, who, you know, has her shop down the street from the one in the East Village, she's like, I don't know where they're going. I don't know what they do. She's like, I go all over and I still can't get the amount of clothes that they are getting. It's wild. The turnover is just crazy. So they're doing something right. But yeah, it's it's a great store. like them a lot. Um, I've had less luck uh, with stores like Buffalo Exchange. I have great and luck do with you? Buffalo Exchange. Buffalo Exchange and what's Beacon's Closet. Beacon's Closet. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like not all my aesthetic or whatever. I don't find that they always have like they're. Vintage. I would say they're less vintage yes. and they're more consignment. Yes. They're definitely 100% consignment shops yeah. over curated vintage yeah. shops. And I'm not even limited just to vintage. I, I would say realistically my wardrobe uh, is probably like 90% vintage clothing. But I'm not limited. I mean, I still I bring in like H and M and Zara and like a bunch of you know other stores just to supplement you know what what my vintage clothes don't you know like lots of good basics or whatever. So I'm not I'm not like a snob in that like I can only buy vintage. But I just find that I haven't had as good of luck with places like those the consignment stores. I don't know. And they also like never want to buy my clothes. <laughs> so I'm like whatever. I'm gonna boycott. I also probably bring things in the off season when they're like we don't need coats. It's July. So whatever. But. Yeah, I don't find as good of luck there, but you know, every once in a while. And then um, I like uh, what is it? Housing Works. I've found Housing like works, some yeah. some cool stuff there for the home and and also clothing stuff mm-hmm. and and Goodwill. You Have know. you gone to the Cure Thrift Shop? Also on Twelfth no. Street. What is it called? The Cure Thrift Shop. No, it's on Twelfth. It's Wait, like maybe. at Fourth Avenue. It's across from that NYU Wait, I dorm that's yes. like the facade is an old church. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yes. It's nice. It's nice. It's yeah. I find that one's really good for home good yeah. items. Um, and it's also cool because the money goes to diabetes research. Oh, that's cool. Hence the cure. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like for home stuff, I was very lucky that I got a lot of, as I mentioned, my, my cool grandmother, my um, 
grandparents had a lot of like really cool mid-century modern furniture and they've both since passed and I got to have a lot of their their furniture so I was pretty stocked on like really good sturdy stylish pieces of furniture for my home and then I just kind of fill my my apartment with you know things that I've collected over the years from traveling or pieces of art that I've made myself so I'm finding that I don't have to buy as much I mean definitely for like kitchen stuff I love buying like vintage dishes vintage Mm -hmm. like juice glasses and things like that so but um I didn't have to buy nearly as much as I thought and I brought everything (laughs) from my old apartment in New Orleans I drove it up in a U-Haul to New York because I was like you know what I've cultivated all of this stuff over the course of my life I want to have it in this new place that I'm calling I want to make it feel like home I don't want to just buy like a bunch of new you know stuff from Target or whatever I want to like have things that matter to me all around me so yeah so I'm buying less housewares now also because it's New York and there's no room for anything (laughs) in our tiny apartments but but I have found some good ones out here in New York yeah so I'm curious now taking New York New Orleans out of the picture just what is the best vintage store you've ever been to and what has been your best vintage find ever that is a tough one because I'm gonna give away my age I'm 36 here so I've been doing vintage shopping for about I don't know 18 years or so at this point 20 years and I still have like there's I have like things that I call like just like a forever forever thrifted item that I've like gotten and I'm like I'll never let this go if I ever have children this is like being passed on to my child this is a family heirloom now you know honestly I don't I cannot recall like where's the best place that I've been for vintage shopping but and I'm not even wearing it today which is crazy I have but you've probably seen Lindsay since you've seen me a bunch over the past year um I have this brass bangle bracelet that I oh yeah I know I'm not wearing yeah yeah this this big giant brass bracelet that was given to me in like a secret Santa thing like 12 years ago when I worked at like a daycare center so it was like a totally random gift that was shoved in a stocking it wasn't even like the main gift for secret Santa it was just like oh here's one of the small gifts leading up to the big gift and I remember getting it and I was like this thing is too big but I love brass jewelry I don't really wear silver ever it's like brass or you know gold or whatever I like costume jewelry and truly Every day of my life, I wear this thing. I'm not wearing it today because I don't wear it as much in the winter because of coats and, like, I can't push it. Also, the audio medium appreciates that (laughs) you didn't wear it today. But it's just, like, this big bangle, and I always push it up to, like, almost to my elbow, and it's, like, part of, like, my body. Like, I wear it so much. It's your signature look. It really is. It's your gray (laughs) t-shirt. Yes. I've worn it almost every day of my life for the since I got it 12 years ago. And I just feel – and it's it was from, like, a thrift store. Like, I think the person who gave it to me was like, oh, I got it, like, Goodwill or something. I was like, it is fantastic. And I feel like that is, is like, my top my top vintage item. I mean, I've gotten, you know, great things, you know, from my mom, from my grandma. But I would say that's a piece that, you know, is just, like, dear to my heart forever. So I know that doesn't really answer the what's the best shopping experience or vintage experience. But that, that one is very special to me. Yeah. I always find that it is really interesting though when you're in the store and you find those really special yes. items because you, your you heart feel, kind of yes. races. Like you yeah. feel it. I feel like people who don't – I guess anybody who loves to shop maybe feels that. But I don't know why it feels even more significant when it is like an item that you know no one else is going to have. Mm-hmm. And that was why like – not. And you know how rare yeah, it how is how rare too. it is because that was something like – so to bring up my grandmother again, she was um, an immigrant from Central America, but she was Lebanese and she just had like just I mean, I grew up with a lot of culture in my life and um, I was very lucky with that. But 
I think being an immigrant, she had these ideas of what like America's supposed to be or whatever. And when I started shopping at like thrift stores, she was like, why do you shop like a homeless person? And I was like, you don't get it. It's not because I can't afford regular clothes. It's because I'm looking like that it's excitement of like- elected poverty yeah, yeah, as the racked yeah, articles. Yeah. I was like, it's not about the price. I mean, the price is great, but it's like finding, like just like going, I love to hunt. Like some people do not like that. I love to just like dig through racks of things and find this like one special skirt or this like amazing hat or something that I know- is like probably the only one of its kind now in the world. And that is very amazing to me. Like I love that that treasure hunt and that that moment when you, you're like, you see something, you're like, this is going to be part of my wardrobe for a very long time. And I've had that with, you know, probably like, like I said, I, like almost everything I own is, is vintage. But I would say maybe there's like 10 items or whatever in my my sphere of clothing and whatever that I'm like this is like a forever item and it is it's super special so I had to like explain that to her over and over again I was like she's like you wear clothes that other people wore I'm like I wear your clothes (laughs) why is that different it's just like having just like that that interesting piece of clothing that just I don't know yeah especially when I can like visualize like what I'm gonna wear it with or how Mm -hmm. you know how I'm gonna style it and I think like vintage clothes I, I find at least for my body type are more flattering I think like high-waisted skirts look great on everybody so it's like you know finding just these these really just awesome pieces it's just I don't know you can't beat it yeah 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 it makes me think of the sister of the traveling pants <laughs> when they realize like the pants could fit them all and that oh. like, feeling like when you find a vintage thing and it yeah. fits and you it fits. yeah it's, it's like, like oh what? my gosh this is right. magic yeah. it really does feel that way yeah it really I, does we are on the same page Lizzie. that is very true yes Ugh, I was at a um, a vintage clothing convention, I mm-hmm. guess is what the right word would be, this past weekend. And so there were dozens of different places. Oh, and cool. the problem was I am bustier than the women um. of the past, I am finding, because nothing zips up like oh, over wow, yeah. my chest. But that's why when I find the things that do fit, you gotta keep it. You it's gotta get so it. Yeah. magical. It's true. The sizing was so weird just in life. Because I mean, I look at stuff like I have a ton of clothes from the 80s but aren't like overtly 80s looking like when you think of the 80s they're not like crazy like neon colors or whatever it's like a lot of like when the 80s was doing the 70s and 80s were kind of doing throwbacks to like the 40s so I have a mm-hmm. lot of dresses and skirts like that and I look at the sizes and they're like 11 12 or like just like enormous mm-hmm. size. I'm like how why, <laughs> I was like why? I mean I don't like think 12? that I'm like a twig but I also don't think I'm like a 13 for like it's so weird that the sizing but then you look at clothes in like the 50s and 60s and like everybody was like the tiniest like way i don't know who was doing the sizing back then i don't i mean that's very different sizing is completely arbitrary it's really crazy yeah everyone makes their own yeah system very much so and every like even fabrics fit differently yeah so i don't know sizing i was lucky that um my mother knows how to sew. I regret that I never learned how to sew. So I would like. It is not too late. Yeah, no, I know. 2020 goal. I know. It's true. It's true. I can like do like, I can sew like a button or something or like mend a hem. But I would constantly buy things that were not my size, like were either too big or, you know, needed a whatever, like a mending of some sort. And I would just buy them at thrift stores and things. And I would bring them back to my mom and be like, can you <laughs> fix this? And I still do that. Like I'll go home to New Orleans like twice a year and I'll come with like a bunch of stuff that I bought. I'm like, look, this zipper is not working. Can you rework this sash on this dress? And she's like, oh God, I'm like you love it. <laughs> but so that, that's another thing is like, if I really want a piece, I'll make sure <laughs> that I will figure out how to get it mm-hmm. to fit me. Yeah, if it's, if it's that special. I mean, 
tailoring makes a huge difference. I've worked in costuming, and we would buy a lot of the costumes just for lack of time. Mm -hmm. But then every single thing gets fitted. Yeah. And it was funny because I would see people try their outfits on, and think like, oh, wow, that actually looks great. And then the tailor or the draper would come in and immediately start finding other places to adjust it. That didn't even cross my (laughs) mind. But it makes a huge difference. Yeah. you can do that with anything. It's true. I know. I should. That should be my goal. You're right. 2020. 2020 goal. To to sew, there are cause... so many classes in the city where you can learn how to sew, whether it's at a crafting place like mm-hmm. Craft Jam or Brooklyn Craft Company or I know um, Mood Fabrics. They oh. do a bunch of different sewing classes. Brooklyn Brainery does a bunch of sewing. That's cool. There are so many options I'm not trying to make York. anything from scratch. I mean, that would be, you know, that would be uh, extra, a bonus if I could do that. But I just want to like... I buy a really big skirt and need to cut it in half to make it fit my waist. I want to know how to do that and not wait several months to bring it back to New Orleans for my mom to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. like I said, 2020 goal. Learn all to right. learn to You're sew. Right. Learn to mend. <laughs> um, all right. So we're getting close to having to wrap up. Okay. But I love this. I the bangle. I love the story of the bangle. Oh, thank you. It's thank part you. of your. It is truly your signature it look. Is. I know. I can't believe I'm not wearing it today, but it doesn't. Yeah. In no, the it's, winter, it's I find for the it best hard that you didn't, just because we would be hearing it nonstop. Right. Like yeah. exactly I know, that. I just but hit the, my, whole, my breasts, yeah. the whole episode. It's true. It's because in the winter, it's like I can't push it up because I'm wearing long sleeves. It's a whole thing. But summertime, bangle every day. Big apple babes. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people? Or before we talk about where we can find you, we got in each episode. With a hand-me-up, whether that's a pro tip, a word of advice, something that you just wish to impart to the <laughs> listeners of the Hand Me Up Club, what would you like to say? Oh, man. That's a good uh, good question. Um, and I told you at the start, I was like, I'm just going to go off the cuff. So, um, off the I cuff, think, but yes, not the cuff. But not, not, but not the cuff without bracelet. my cuff, yes. So that's why I'm – yes, I, I need my cuff as my, my wisdom guide. Um, I would say when it comes to, since it's a fashion podcast, when it comes to fashion, I'm just a proponent of wear what makes you feel most like yourself. And I feel like it's taken me a few years to figure out like what, you know, what cuts look great on me, what styles, what colors, but I just think wear whatever makes you feel great and, and most like yourself. And if that's really expensive designer wear, that's your choice. If it's, you know, a really bizarre skirt that's 99 cents from a thrift store that's good too um it wasn't until you asked me to be on this podcast that I really was thinking like oh vintage fashion is also so sustainable I never yeah. <laughs> I was like it's just I never realized that since I was like don't a, make new clothes yeah, use what's exactly I'm there. like I, I just never even thought about how important that is um you know and and doing that even in my my crafting that we is not as big a part of my life anymore but I would use like old materials, old, you know, jewelry, things like that. I just feel like um, finding sustainability in, in all aspects of your life, but especially if you can incorporate it into your fashion is really, really cool, really important. And um, so, yeah, wear what you like, wear what feels good, be sustainable, be a good person. That's it. Yeah, great. <laughs> I like that the way you identify because it just makes you think of those sort of – I know you don't mean it as a joke, but it makes you think of when people are like, I identify as – you know, someone from the 1930s yeah. or something. I, <laughs> or like the, the love song in jail for proof. I mean, like, I yeah. should have lived so long ago. Yes. But if you identify as the 1950s, 
wear those 1950s yeah. clothes from the 1950s. Don't yes. don't buy new ones that look like 1950s. Just wear. You'll find your size. <laughs> yeah. And if not, you can also learn to sew. Exactly. With the, Rebecca and that's I, really the, the moral of this podcast. Learn how to sew. Learn how to sew. <laughs> and you can wear Follow your dreams. anything. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So now we'll take you back. Big Apple Babes. Oh, yeah. Yourself. Where can we find you online, in life? whatever you want to share well i love instagram um i don't i mean i love it but i don't love it it's a it's poison that we all need and is great uh, for sharing things and i can be found my personal instagram is at duck meets world that's a play on my last name um you can find big apple babes the dance team that Lindsay and i are both on uh at big apple babes also um, and we're going to be having auditions in the new year. So any cool ladies out there who want to dance and can, you know, move with some mild rhythm and like to be around other cool ladies. If you can count. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not, you do not need to be a professional dancer to do it. And we just love having new faces. Um, so that's at Big Apple Babes. We'll put our audition stuff on, on the Instagrams. And then my business, uh, Sweet Face Snowballs, right now it's you know, the off season because it's freezing outside in New York so no one's eating shaved ice. Um, but I'll be back up and running when it warms up. Um, you can find out all about that uh, company at sweetface.snowballs. And that's snowballs without a W because in New Orleans, we just don't spell things right. And it's endearing. So <laughs> yeah, so that's right. where all my stuff is. Uh, only on Instagram. I don't do any other social media. <laughs> For the best. Yeah, yeah. It's it fine. is for the best. <laughs> um, all right. So there you go. Big Apple Babes. Sweet Face Snowballs. Duck Meets World. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Yeah. This has been our deep dive on vintage. I'm super fascinated by this history of vintage fashion. And I mean, I think that elected poverty is definitely that's, right, right yeah, on the nose. That's perfect. Yes. Um, but this has been an episode of the Hand Me Up Club. And I will talk to you next week. The Hand Me Up Club is hosted by Lindsay Ruter, recorded and engineered by Adam Zucker, and edited by Caitlin Correa at CC Media. Thanks for listening! <laughs>